This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It's good to be with you. Luby, you're looking lovely. You're smiling wide at me. We don't get to see each other that often nowadays. It's so good to be part of Meet the Expert. And of course, I must wear my dynamic driven red for Future CEOs. Yes, as always, you're looking lovely. Uh, Dr. Martini. you're also looking good in, in a beautiful red tie and a, a pocket square there. Welcome back to Future CEOs. Thank you for having me. We love having you here. We do love having you here. This is a new feature that we have launched a short while ago called Ask an Expert. Now, we've been asking you questions for a number of years now, and we've been very privileged with that. This is a little bit of a different feature where we, what we want to try and do is hone in on a single question. Today, we're talking about a midlife crisis. Kluby, um, have you ever felt or asked yourself the question, is this what a midlife crisis is? More specifically, mid-career crisis. Ah, yes. Do I want to go to work? Do I feel purpose at work? Is something else more important than this? Am I missing out on something else? Is something else missing out on me? Mm. I think it's a part of development. I don't know, Dr. T will break it down. It's emotional questions that we've got to reflectively ask ourselves, which I love. But... Is it okay? Is it natural? What do we do about it, Dr. D? Well, unquestionably, as you know, I've mentioned before on the show that each individual lives by a set of priorities, a set of values, things that are most important to least important in their life. Mm-hmm. And when you're young, zero to 10, you probably want to play. When you're 10 to 20, you probably want to socialize. When you're 20 to 30, you probably want to find a relationship and maybe a career path. When you're 30 to 40, you probably want to stabilize your own and build your own family and have your own business possibly. And then I jokingly say that in 40 to 50, you want to have an affair. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. that's, that's a joke. Then. <laughs> yes, you get it. But, but what happens yeah. is your life is changing based on experiences. Because if you get married, now you have a shift in values. If you have a new business, you have some shifts in values sometimes. So Many times, the set of values that we inculcated and injected into our life in our youth came from people who are at the midlife, and they influence us, particularly our teenagers. Just like you know that music, if you remember your music, it's usually your teenage music that's, that stays with you. Mm. So if you look at your age group, who are the authorities at that time, before you rebel, that age group is around 40s. And so when you reach that, all of a sudden, the people you have been subordinating to and trying to live by, you're there. And so you start to have an identity, a transcendence of the influence of normal traditions and conventions and things and ask, okay, is this how I want to live my life? What's really important to me? And you do a soul search. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly normal and healthy. Even Napoleon Hill said in his Think and Grow Rich and Laws of Success, that most people, when they hit around 40, mm. their intuition comes in and they their autonomy to think for themselves and transcend the influence of others. So many people subordinate to the influence of others, live in people's shadows, instead of standing on the shoulders of giants and giving permission to transcend and be authentic to who they are. Mm. And when we reach that point, we sometimes go, okay, what do I really want? And you've been going on a pathway and you've been building momentum towards it, but you're kind of going, but that's not really how I necessarily want to spend the rest of my life. And you may be in a career that the the job description has changed or your values have changed and what was once meaningful is maybe less meaningful. But you have to give yourself permission to be authentic. You have to give yourself permission to do one of two things. 
either pursue what it is that's truly meaningful to you or go and do the things in the job that's meaningful and delegate the rest or transiently take the job description that you currently have and link it to what is meaningful to you. So either go do what you love through delegating or love what you do through linking. And what I mean by linking is asking how specifically is doing these job responsibilities temporarily until I can delegate it or until I can start my own company. How is doing this going to help me on my journey and help me fulfill what's meaningful to me and help me set the next stage? You know, I'm finding that, I mean, that's just exactly our lives, Gareth. We do so many different things, you know, and I think that's the way the world works at the moment, that we're constantly juggling so many jobs or descriptions or career options. And what I love about it is that there's a sense of purpose. I'm 40, so this is exactly where I'm at. There's a sense of purpose. There's a sense of happiness. And, of course, I've got to be able to pay my bills. So, so far, I, I, I'm not really questioning my, my career at the moment it's more that i'm settled in what i want and what i value and what's important to me now maybe now I'm just making a little bit more money i think that there's an element to all of this which is a, a permission thing so mm-hmm. I, I wonder as you speak if you've allowed yourself or given yourself permission to question as thoroughly as potentially what we might need to do in order to align ourselves correctly and align with those values that that dr demartini is describing here dr demartini help us us to get to a point where we are able to give ourselves permission to do things. So this idea of permission is a tricky one because we might say, yes, I've done that. But in actual fact, you haven't done it. You've only just sliced open a wound, but not really dealt with a lot of the stuff that comes with permission. Well, many people are comparing themselves to others. And anytime they see people that they think have more intelligence, Mm -hmm. more success, more money, more stable relationship, more social influence, uh, better looking or healthier, more inspired. Mm. If they compare themselves to others and they see others doing something what they think is greater than themselves, they'll minimize themselves. They'll inject the values of others into their life, which will cloud the clarity of what's really important to them. And we're not here to live in their shadows. We're Mm. not here to compare. Mm. We're here to compare our daily actions to our own values and dreams to see how on track we are with what's meaningful to us. Mm. Now, that meaningfulness is not a narcissistic pursuit, but it's a meaningful pursuit in a way that serves people. So if you're not feeling like you're making a contribution to others and making mm. a difference, you don't feel fulfilled. So it's the thing is that, that is... Is that true the, for everybody? It's, I, I've not seen anybody. I was just speaking mm. in the prison, the Krugersdorp prison this morning, mm. and every prisoner acknowledged that. Every prisoner. So deep inside, we all want to make a difference. We want to do something meaningful. And when we do, the blood, glucose, and oxygen goes into the forebrain where we function in the most most efficient manner. So it's very important to, to prioritize our life each day and to be honest with what the values are and to live congruently that day. Because then we do, we raise our self-worth. We have more appreciation for ourselves. We're more innovative and creative. We're more adaptable and resilient and uh, to change. And we're more desiring of con- contributing to other people's lives. And you know when we're focused on serving other people, we're not worried about our own stuff. We're on to making a difference. Can I, can I read you something and you tell me your thoughts about it? Is that okay, Gareth? As you are shifting, you will begin to realize that you are not the same person you used to be. The things you used to tolerate have now become intolerable. Where you once remained quiet, you are now speaking your truth. 
where you once battled and argued, yet you are now choosing to remain silent. You are beginning to understand the value of your voice, and there are some situations that no longer deserve your time, energy, and focus. This uh, reminds me of a French philosopher named Camus, and Camus uh, talked about the absurdity of trying to fit in instead of having the wisdom to stand out. Mm. And to stand out is, like you say, giving yourself permission to be you as you're evolving. And so often we, we're so worried about fitting in and making sure that we're doing what everybody's expecting of us, that we scatter ourselves and that we drain ourselves and that we don't have fulfillment. And then we're basically trying to avoid that. And then we look for immediate gratification to compensate. And many of our consumer behaviors, our addictive behaviors, our overeating behaviors are compensations for unfulfillment. And so we're living vicariously through other people's brands instead of focusing on building the brand that we dream. I want us to talk to the individual who is listening to this who feels like they are in some kind of mid-career crisis, but are, they're listening to this and they're feeling like it's right. I mean, they can sense that it's right, but they can't get through the fog that has come over them, There's the, this, this weight that is on them. What are the steps that we need to take to be able to pull back some of the layers and, and get rid of some of this fog so that we can just move forward a little bit? Well, as I said, every human being has a set of priorities and set of values. It's wise to first determine what those are. And the way you look at it, besides the 13 value determinants that I've brought here before. Yeah, you've shared with us, yes. Uh, is to look at what you do spontaneously every single day that nobody has to remind you to do, that you just absolutely love doing and you just do it. Now, everybody, when I do the, the Breakthrough Experience program, I have people saying, well, I can't think of any. I've never had anybody in that program that if we went probing deeper, we couldn't find the thing that they did spontaneously. When they do things that are spontaneous, it's an intrinsic value. Mm. When they do something intrinsic, it's the most fulfilling thing they can be doing. Mm. So identifying what that is, I, I want to share a story if I can. Please. I was speaking at a school, high school in Cape Town the other day. And there was a lovely 18 going on 19 year old girl there that's just about to graduate. And she was trying to go out and start her entrepreneurial adventure. But she was hazy. What do I do? Mm. Now, this is not exactly a midlife, but it's a, an identity crisis period. You know, from school. Yeah, that to, transitional period. It's a transitional, same kind of thing. And I, and I went right into the, the audience with her and I said, so what do you do every single day that nobody has to remind you to do that you spontaneously do that you love doing? She goes, I don't know. I said, no, I want you to be accountable. Look at your life and let, because your life reveals what you value. Mm. Your life demonstrates every perception, decision, and action you take is based on what you value. And every decision you make is based on what you believe will give you the greatest advantage at that moment. So what are you doing every day? Finally, she spoke up. She says, for some reason, I do a lot of watching a TV. What's common on the TV? She says, I watch every one of the criminal mm. solution shows where mm. they're, they're, they're mm. trying to solve problems, mm. solve criminal, mm. you know, mm. I don't even know what they're called, but yeah, yeah they, but the investigative, investigative yes. Yeah. So she says, I, I, I just, I, I'm glued to those things. I said, have you considered getting involved in helping people in solutions that way? She says, I've actually, yes, I've been studying that. I spontaneously read about it. I watch movies on it. I talk about it. I said, what if you gave yourself permission to actually go and make a career doing and helping people solve those type of things? And right on the spot, she just looked straight up and watery-eyed she got, mm. and she got inspired. And she said, I needed to hear that. I had been trying to do what my mom and dad told me I need to do, but deep inside, that's all I've wanted to do. 
Mm. I say, give yourself permission to be yourself. Now, this is, this is at 40, it's no different. Mm. You could be in a job. You may have gotten bur- burdened now by having children. Mm. And I mean by burden, I don't mean because you have of love. Course, but, of but the burden of the responsibilities of, of now paying the bills, feeding the family, feeding the family mm. and everything else. Mm. And that's a challenge because it's not, it doesn't let up. I know. And so now you're sitting there and now you have dreams about other things, but you're, you're, the risk reward ratios of taking the risk and Correct. starting something new is overwhelming Correct. and you feel trapped sometimes. Correct. That's why it's so important to go inside, find out what you're truly intrinsically valuing. And give yourself permission to incrementally, not overnight, but incrementally either see how your current job is helping you get there or prioritize your life and just go do it Mm. and delegate it. Now, if you don't have any savings, I Mm. tell people Mm. that unless you value yourself, the world won't. Mm. Unless you set money aside for yourself initially, the world's no No one's going to get up and give you wealth. Mm. You have to pay yourself first. You have to be able to say, this is it. I'm going to do this because I don't want to have my whole life working for money. I want my my money working for me. Mm. So if a person doesn't do that, they stay trapped longer because they, they, they can't take the risk because there's no cushion. But by having liquidity, they can they can move that, that cushion. So I tell people, no matter where you are in the business world, make sure you take a portion of it and don't live beyond your means. Save a portion of it. You so it buys know. you the freedom Absolutely. in case there is a shift in values or a shift in job and you're feeling trapped to not be trapped. It's interesting how we often look at it as a security thing, but there's actually more to it, which is a freedom. Uh, and, and so I so appreciate that. If we don't fulfill these emotional journey and mental journey and spiritual journey and act on the next calling or the next job or the next life that we want to live, what's the demise? What's the cost? Well, anytime we're not congruent and living in alignment with what we value most, we have what I call feedback systems. There are four primary feedback systems that your body, mind, society, and collective society give us. Can I quickly jump in here? So uh, what I think you're going to go into is is fantastic. And what I just want to quickly do is is link that a mid-career crisis or a mid-life crisis even is simply one of the feedback systems or multiple feedback systems actually telling you this is time to change. You you haven't gone through this process. Well, what's happening is we're taught that if you have a symptom, you have illness and get rid of your symptoms, that's health. But your symptoms can be very productive feedback systems Absolutely. to guide you on how to live. Absolutely. And we're not honoring them. Absolutely. And, and the symptoms in our body, fatigue, distraction, tightness, tensions, things of this nature, headaches, these are feedback systems to let Absolutely. us know we're not living congruently. Then our, then our mind, our intuition is whispering to us. And if we don't listen to it, we have a bunch of noise in the brain and we're clouded and we're not present. And that affects business. And then our social life, we have people reacting to us with praises, reprimands, support. They're, they're constantly trying to offer us feedback, but we misinterpret it. And then if we still don't get the lesson, we have events, tragic events sometimes coming in our life to try to get us back on track. So it's wiser to intuitively listen to what the body, mind, and thing is trying to guide us to do and to live authentically. Because anytime you're not I call it negentropic. Anytime you're not organizing your life and prioritizing your life and living according to what's truly meaningful, your body is designed to break down. Your mm-hmm. mind is designed to scatter. Your your symptoms in your business and in your social life start surfacing to get you to remind you to get back on what's truly important to you. Dr. D, I read somewhere that if we knew the physiological things that happened in our body when we were in negative states, we actually wouldn't do it. If we actually knew what was happening. Well, it, it's a feedback 
when you're in this crisis, you sometimes don't govern yourself as easily. You can mm-hmm. overeat. People can gain weight in their 40s and 50s. But when you're not fulfilled uh, in your mind and in your heart, you might say, you can try to overfill your body. Mm-hmm. And you can and you can fill it with anything that will give you immediate gratification. And immediate gratification typically costs business. It distracts CEOs. It stops people from doing something that's meaningful and really, truly purposeful. But every symptom in our life, in every area of our life, if interpreted wisely, is trying to help us be on the way and see things on the way and live according to what we value most. It is a feedback system. I've been studying the human brain and physiology and and been teaching now almost 46 years. Mm. One thing I'm certain about is that that everything that goes on in our life is ultimately on the way, trying to guide us to live a fulfilled life. I want to just go back to something that you spoke about, which is this idea of taking control, ownership, but then also organizing your life. I think I'm concerned that trying to organize your life takes so much time that you don't have a life. Just your experience there, because you live a very busy life that needs to be very structured and very organized. Is this something we grow into? As I'm asking this question, you're pulling out an an A4 piece of paper. This is not on a cell phone. This is this is. Sure. It's got some color on it. It's got writing on it. I met a lady named Mary Kay from Mary Kay Cosmetics many years ago because I spoke to forty five hundred of her her women, and I did an interview with her and I asked her some questions and I said, "What advice could you give a young aspiring speaker who's traveling the world speaking?" And she said something that was very useful to me: to stop, reflect, get present, and asked, "What is the." highest priority actions I can do today. Mm. And she said six to seven. We ask that all the time. Yeah, what is the highest priority actions I can do today to help me fulfill what is most meaningful, most inspiring, and most authentic to me today? And so I wrote them down on index cards. For many years, I did it on index cards. On a daily basis. And I kept them in my pocket. And I, I looked at those six or seven things. And if I got them all done early, I add one more. And I get that done, I'd add one more. But I never did a goal overrun. I never did too many of them where mm. I would feel like I'm never getting caught up. Mm. I always just did the few, the highest priority ones. Gary Keller talks about the one thing. What is the highest priority one thing you can do today that's one step closer to what you dream about? Because whenever you're living by the highest priority things, your self-worth goes up. And whenever you're not doing that, you beat yourself up. So I did that, and I kept records of it. And then I look back at what was the common denominators over a couple of years. What were the highest priorities of the highest priorities of the highest priorities? <laughs> and for me, it was research, write, travel, and teach. Mm. Research, write, travel, and teach. So then what I did is I said, all right, I'm going to prioritize my research. I'm going to make sure I'm not just going to read books randomly. I'm going to prioritize it because I only have so many years in my life. I've got only so many books I can read. I'm going to prioritize my readings. I'm going to prioritize the people I hang out with. I'm going to prioritize my investments. I started prioritizing everything I did. And then what I did is I prioritized in my speaking, speaking to keynotes, to large numbers, to maybe 25,000 people, then smaller groups and smaller groups, and then workshops, and then consulting. And then I looked at the media, and I looked at television that was reaching millions of people, then radio, and, and then podcasts and webinars, and yeah. then newspapers. I yeah. went and I prioritized everything. Yeah. And then I gave that to my team, and I said, now, that's the priority I'm going to live by. That's how I live. Don't let me. Don't structure that. So all the publicity goes to that structure, all the organizing, all the seminars, everything I do. So I I make sure that I fill my day with the highest priority things I can. So at the end of the day, I got a tear of gratitude and I have plenty to write down in my gratitude journal. If my list would be 
integrity, justice, truth, honor, love. Could I do that? Could I prioritize that and make that into a verb and work? Well, you can. You, or am I doing it the wrong way around? You don't want to pick an artificial social idealism as a value unless your life is truly committed to that. It mm. is. If it is, if it, if it, I think it is. If it is, then you're already doing it. You don't ever need to be reminded it is. to do what's highest on your value. It mm. is. You can't get away from it. Mm. It is. So whatever that is, so integrity would be to make sure that you're prioritizing your daily actions to match what you are, because that's what integrity means. Yes. And truth is you have to be truthful to yourself about what is really important yes. to you and be able to make decisions on what that priority is. And, and honor and, and, and love. honor is be able to realize that if you're going to communicate with people, yes. the most honorable thing you can do is to care enough about them to find out what they value most and to communicate what you value in terms of what they value. There's honor, and that's also an expression of love. So if if you put that into a deep context, that could be helpful to any CEO, mm. could be helpful to any human being, mm. but it has to be what's true for you. I have a friend who's in Ireland, which I'll see in a couple of weeks, who's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. He's climbed the four, the, the Mount Everest four times to the top. He's climbed the seven peaks of the world twice each. Wow. He's hiked by himself to the North and South Pole, and he swam the Amazon River. Now, that's an adventure. We have him in he's, yeah, that's, yeah, he's that's an amazing incredible guy. He, he, I actually wrote the, the foreword to his recent book. Now, this, this gentleman gets up in the morning, and he asks this simple question while he meditates. What is the greatest anxiety or fear that I'm confronted with today? And what is the strategy for me to break through it? Mm. And that's how he lives his life. That's his highest priorities. Everybody has a different set, but you got to be truthful to yourself on that. That's what integrity, truth, honor, and love of yourself is about. Dr. Martini, I think we're about to end this conversation on a high because oh, we've, we've just run out of time. Maybe, are there any the last best. questions that you want to ask? Last questions. What can we learn about ourselves and what we define as a career or a job or something that we do for money? Well, money is a, is a medium of maintaining fair exchange so you have sustainable fair exchange with people. If you try to get something for nothing, it's non-sustainable. If you try to give something for nothing, it's non-sustainable. But if you do something that's a fair exchange, if I do a service for you and you pay me exactly what I want and you feel you got exactly what you want, it's sustainable and we're likely to continue to do business. If Correct. I did a service and I charge more than it was worth or less than it's worth, you'd be disinterested or I'd be disinterested in pursuing it. Correct. So nature inherently strives for equanimity and equity. Equity theory is based on that. So money is simply a more efficient means than bartering for a fair exchange. It's a common medium that we can use. Imagine if you were a tomato grower and I was a builder of chairs. And I said, well, I'd like to, uh, you'd like to give me some tomatoes for a chair. And I said, well, the cost of the chair is, is $300. Uh, and the cost for the tomatoes is less. I, I, I don't need 15,000 tomatoes, so it's not a fair exchange. So they, they create a market, and the market, they would come, and you would sell the tomatoes, and you would sell the chairs, and then you'd put it into a common medium, so that way you could get a fair exchange. So money is a way of maintaining fair exchange and sustainable relationships to express love and caring for people, and it's a way of maintaining equanimity within yourself, which is not proud. Because if you, if you feel like you shortchange me, I get proud and indignant, 
and get and I look down on you. And then if I feel like I've done too little, I feel underneath you and I don't have equity. So by having a fair exchange, I really am expressing my most spiritual awareness mm. because I'm now being authentic to myself and I'm helping somebody fulfill their lives. And the most meaningful thing we can do is make a difference in a fair exchange. In a fair exchange. So that's why money is, is not something evil or good. It's beyond morals. It's a transcendent state, it's, but it's a medium of exchanging and so helping people fulfill their dreams. A job is not who you are. It's what you do on well, the way to becoming what you truly want to be. Yes or no? It depends because there are some people that are seeing a job as a means to an end. I know people that go to work and they are doing it for financial security and doing it, but they may not have as much meaning and fulfillment in that. So they want to escape it on the weekends or go on vacation. And there's other people like myself that my life is my vacation. This is what I love doing. I've been doing it for 46 years. I had a dream to do this when I was 17 to do what I'm doing. So this is also what I am and who I am. I'm a teacher. I travel and I do that. So some people have made that integration where what they're doing is who they are. Uh, some sports people do it. Some artist, Charles Billich, has been an artist since he's four. He's 86 now. And he's been doing art since he was four. And he's done some of the most amazing art. His life revolves around what he values most. And his career has been enormously successful because of it. So some people have it, the opportunity to do it as a means to an end. Some people has an end in mind. And I think you need to honor all levels of that because, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't think of anything I'd rather be doing than what I do every day. Here's what I've heard. Mid-career crisis. You're allowed to feel this first. You should be feeling it because it's a, it's a natural part of life to have these... Catalyze your growth. Yeah, exactly. To have these movements, these ructions, these changes in values. And so it's a healthy thing. Give yourself permission. Allow it to happen. Embrace it. And ask yourself the right questions. And, and you may be having it in your 60s and 80s. Mm. I had a, a woman who was 50 two whose mother was 82 and she her husband had died the father had died and she was now starting to date another person and the daughter felt it was acting like the mother now saying you you're you shouldn't be dating like that you shouldn't be going out and getting your makeup on and doing it. so she started dating in her 80s again and and she wanted to date younger men mm. and so that was another midlife crisis to her that's how she saw it but she was 82 that goes to show that what is really going to happen is this this cycle is going to occur over and over in our lives and the, the sooner we become conscious of it the sooner we take control of it the better i'm going to end off with a quote i think you're going to like it if your why does not make you cry it's not your why and i think that's what i heard you say that a tear of gratitude if your why does not make you cry, it's not really your why. When, when, when the why is big enough, house take care of themselves. Mm. And I believe that. So I, I believe when you're doing something that you're truly congruent with and inspired by, it's a spontaneous tear of inspiration. Mm. I have been using that as my guide in all my research and all my teachings for all these years. That very thing. A, I'm teary. A, a tear of truth is your true norm. Tear of gratitude and tear of, of inspiration for being and doing and having what you get to do every day. Dr. Martini, thank you for joining us um, for thank this you. Ask an Expert feature on Future CEOs. It's so good to have you here again with us. Thank you. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Join us then. Bye. This is CliffCentral.com.